Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. We're doing it maybe a double duty today. If I decide not to do it, we'll just, after the first teaching, I'll just stop and let you go. But uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit today about the gifts of the Spirit this morning. Some general things. So uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll read you some things here from the King Jimmy and from the Amplified. First of all, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me get there with you. Everybody doing well? Good, I am too. Thank you, Father. All right, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse um, verse 1, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, and of course that includes the sister. Right. All right. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I would not have you ignorant. So I think it's just amazing that God put that in the Bible, especially the first verse of this 12th chapter. Two things here. Number one, the gifts are always now. So I don't know how you ever do away with that. I think people are just confused. You know, and they say, well, the gift's been done away with. Well, then the Bible's been done away with because he said now concerning these things. And especially he don't want us to not understand that. So even if you're not ministering, you should have an idea what's going to happen or something in you maybe says something. I, I've got like that the longer I walk with Dr. Dufresne. I talked to him about it privately, not in front of the other sons because I didn't want anybody to think I was buttering him up or anything. But I said, I, I picked that up just a few minutes before you said that. He said, well, you're in the same office and, so, and you're close to me, so things like that can happen. Right. Now, I wanted to explain to you a little bit about this verse here. A better way would say that is now concerning the things that pertain to the Spirit. Because when we get further into this chapter here, he's talking about spiritual gifts first. Then he talks about the ministry gifts and all of that in verses 4 through 6. And then he talks about the gifts of the Spirit, 7 through 11. Then at the end here, he gets back into the fivefold ministry in verse 27, 28, 29, and 30. So anyway, it's just a lot of cover here, isn't there? We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit first of all. Let me find my reference. Here it is in the Amplified. And now about spiritual gifts, special endowments, I like that, of supernatural energy. So every gift has that in it. Tongues interpretation has power. If it's a tongue comes from God and then somebody interprets it, it's got power to change the whole service or to change one person, (laughs) you know. Anyway, special endowments, plural, of supernatural energy, brethren. I would not, I don't want you to be misinformed. I think there's another translation that says uninformed. So we need to pay attention to that because sometimes, you know, in the church world as a whole, sometimes there's not any moving of that. You know, and if it's for now, it's for now. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we should be wanting those things not to show out, but to minister to other people. All right. So we're talking about some things here. Let me, let me just read on in verse 7 to 11 here, and then we'll go talking about some of these things. But the manifestation of the Spirit, 
that word manifestation is the word appearing as far as I understand it from the Greek New Testament. But the manifestations of the Spirit are given. Notice we don't earn them. They're given to us by God. It's our, our job to figure out what they are and how they operate and what's the best way to operate in them. We, we were having a, a special event here one time and I think it was the father of the groom uh, this was before the wedding, you know, not the day of the wedding, but a week or two. He, he visited our church and he came to me after church and said, I guess you don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I said, what are you talking about? You don't even know me. He said, well, I had something you didn't. I said, well, I didn't call on you, did I? <laughs> no, well, then that wasn't for you. Yeah. You know, I'm the leader here. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, praise God. You know, sometimes people are just pushy. Yeah. They're not evil, but they're pushy. How many know false teeth are not evil, but they're not the real thing? <laughs> I did some studying on some things that I thought was kind of interesting. Let me find it here. When they train bank tellers, they give them real money first so that they can distinguish the fake from the, or the false. Give them real money. They handle all the time. They're looking at it and they're seeing different angles of it, whatever, because they don't want them to get duped into, you know, taking not good money. You know. So anyway, that's interesting, I think. So he says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And really that's a key thing too. When you have the gifts of the Spirit, occasionally they've profited me on a personal level, but not a lot concerning myself. I like I laid hands on myself several times in my life when I was really hurting and God did manifest his power through my own hand. But normally that doesn't work that way it's for other people. And I think I move out stronger to other people sometimes than I do in my own life sometimes. Anyway, I'm just looking at these things here. So let's read verse 8 through 11 here. For to one is given by the Spirit uh, the word of knowledge, and to another the word of wisdom. Uh, by the same Spirit, and to another faith, it should read special faith by the same Spirit. And to another the gifts of healings. I don't know why it's not plural. I put an S on mine because it's that way in the real original. All three times the gifts of healings are mentioned in this chapter. It's in the plural. Gifts of healings by the same Spirit. And to another the working of miracles. And to another prophecy. And to another discerning of spirits. And to another different kinds of tongues. And to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and selfsame Spirit. Dividing to every man severally. As he will. Now it's a little misleading that word severally. You could, he could divvy out, maybe say it that way, more than one gift in your life. I know I operate in several. I didn't ask for any of them, but, and I'd learned that over a period of time. How many listen to me? You're not going to get it next week. You didn't get it. I didn't get it all in the first decade. The second day, I'm in my fourth decade. Now, fifth, fifth decade being saved, but the fourth in ministry full time, 46 years. I just passed that earmark in August. So it's just important. So what it reads more like uh, God gives to those uh, as he chooses, because that's a little misleading. severally. I'm not saying you couldn't have more than one gift. I believe you can. But anyway, we just need to rightly divide the word. You with me? Yes. Yeah. Now, let me read something here. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I feel led to for a minute. Verse 27 through 30, and maybe even 31, 27 says, now you are the body of Christ. Now we've been taught and we've learned things over the years and all of us have probably. The word, the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. 
it's the anointing that was on Jesus that caused him to be able to do what he did. So it's important that we have the anointing. And in particular, I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit. All right. And, and here's another thing. Sometimes when we teach this, everybody thinks that you're going to manifest everything on Sunday morning. But that's not what he's saying. I think the Spirit of God works as well or better in me in a private setting sometimes or just in my own personal prayer life, praying for other people. These things can kick in. But anyway, it's talking to us about the anointing in our life and members in particular. He said, now you all, excuse me, you are the body of Christ and members in particular. That's important to know. Remember I had that vision, Jesus was in a chair, his head was in a chair, and he looked towards me and he goes, what's wrong with this picture, Michael? And I said, well, where's your body? Then he answered me, he said, you and all the other believers in the earth are in me, and you're seated with me. Well, I've been saying that 20 years, but I hadn't seen it. I mean, I was trying to figure that out. I know I wasn't seated below him because Ephesians 2 said he raised us up to sit with him. You know, like if my granddaughter came over or one of my grandsons wanted to sit on me because there was a chair. You could just sit on the chair on my lap. We'd both be sitting in that chair. But then he said this to me. I'm talking about this vision when I saw Jesus' face. And people always ask the wrong questions. What did he look like? No, what did he say? Sometimes you, you got to change the way you think about your questions. I wasn't seeing if his teeth were brushed or anything or hair was combed. <laughs> Or what he was wearing. So we're members of that body and we're seated with him. It's important to understand yours. And the Lord said finally at the end, he said, he said, if you looked at it this way, Michael, you could see it more clearly. Well, I was having that vision to see that concept more clearly. I've been saying that for probably strong for 20 years, maybe 25. We're seated with him. And that's why I say if you're, if you're not a joint heir, and sometimes people think of themselves as a sub-heir, and maybe you think of me as a joiner. I don't know how you think for sure. I know most of us don't think right about everything. But he said, if you'll think of the body of Christ worldwide from when it started all the way through until the end of things, you know, uh, you know, think about people being cells in my body. I don't even know how many trillion. Yes, I do. I looked that up. How many was that? 43.5 trillion cells in the human body average. I'd say that's enough to handle the body of Christ. <laughs> I mean, you know, just look at things different. Now, you know, if you're just natural, you couldn't figure that out, even though I tell you that's what he said to me. I wonder where I fit. Inside his body somewhere. Christ in us, but anybody be in Christ, he's a new creature. He's a new species of being. <laughs> Somebody says, you think there's aliens here? I said, well, there is one in me. His name's Jesus. <laughs> He doesn't live here anymore except through other people. All right. All right. Verse 28, and God said, some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, and governments. And I believe like some teach, and I teach governments are more in the office of the pastor, uh, not because he's more important, though I think him, he or her she is, because the pastors are the one that feed the flock regularly and go to the hospital and pray for you. And, you know, when you have new babies, they come pray for your new ones and they get you married. And then if, if you live a long time, they bury you if they're still around. Anyway, anyway, the gifts of healings, helps, and governments, helps is listed in here. 
It's not a fivefold ministry, but it is, and I'm not trying to be funny, but it is a major help uh, for the body of Christ. We had a thing at my house last night, and most of these preachers were here. I don't think all of them were. If they were senior pastors, I said, I'd like to come to my house just fellowship. We just ate a meal and talked a little bit. That's all we did. But I had a whole bunch of people there helping. They moved all my major furniture out of my living room to my garage. We had tables in my living room. They, it was like a five-star restaurant. Yeah. It was like being there. Yeah. And I appreciate everybody. And, so, and I went to bed finally. I looked at the crew. I said, I'm going to bed. Somebody lock up this place? They said, yeah. Said, Good night. So I went in the other room, put on Dr. Dufresne, listened to him for an hour. So let's see here. Are all apostles? The answer is no. This is the way I read it when I finally figured out a little bit about it. Are all apostles? No, but some are. He didn't ask if there were apostles. He just said, is everybody one? No. Because he told us up here, he put some in the church, some apostles, but he also put prophets and the teachers and evangelists, all of that's included in that by the function that they have and the things they do in their mantle. Then he goes on to say, are all prophets? No, but some are. Are all teachers? No, but some are. Are all workers of miracles? No, but some are. I just put that after everything. It says, have all the gifts of healings? No, they don't, but some do. Uh, do all, now, you could get healed just through laying on the hands of a believer. could get to lay his hands or her hands on somebody and get them healed. Whether it's a tangible anointing or not, that's the point of contact to release our faith. But it's talking about something special in some that have gifts of healings. I have some of that in my mantle. Not all of them, of course. But there's others that have part of that gift. I mean, they have other areas they seem to have a great strength in to minister to people, sick people, so, so forth and so on. And then it says, do all speak with tongues and then do all interpret. He's not talking about praying in tongues here to build yourself up. He's still in the context of some are to help us understand. And people get confused and they want to argue with those of us who do speak in tongues uh, that that was just some people. got. That's not what that says. This is talking about tongues and interpretation, either for somebody personally or could be for a group. A church is going to move forward or a ministry is going to move forward. And somebody who's anointed could do that, speak in tongues and interpret, or one could speak it and the other interpret it. All right. It says, covet earnestly the best gift. So we're to desire these things. That's what I'm saying. And then we won't read chapter 13 today, but... It's good to read that when you get done reading chapter 12 because this tells us how we behave as believers and especially as ministers, you know, to, to walk in love and so forth. And he gives examples through here. So we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit for a while this morning, at least for this first hour. Hallelujah. Let me see what I want to say here. Brother Hagen told us when he left, right before he left, he's told it, I think, further back, of course, but... He said, the Lord's building strong local churches that teach the word and move in the spirit. So, you know, that's important to do. Now, I don't know. I mean, I'm not judging everybody. I'm not judging anybody. I've just been around a long time. Some pastors have more giftings than others. Some pastors have stronger anointing than others. But every pastor, there should be an element in your church. Either you move in some area of the spirit or... Somebody that you trust in your church, you might let them do that if they had something that you trusted. But I, a brother, I was with Brother Summerall 
And my daughter, and where she's sitting right over, where you at? Right there, raise your hand, honey. She's 40-something now, coming up on 40-something, 44 in this month. And so uh, anyway, she was in a little carry-on thing. I was, pulling, you know, she, I was carrying her in in a little bucket thing, you know. <laughs> Not a cement bucket or anything, but her head bucket. <laughs> oh, Lord, you're not going to do that to me today, are you? <laughs> but anyway, uh, we came in, and she was real young then. We didn't, they did, I think they did have a nursery. I don't think we, they had a nursery forever. Service. Anyway, Dr. Summerall got up. I'm sitting way in the back there. And so he said, all you pastors, you need to have the interpretation of tongues. And he said, I wouldn't entrust that to any average believer. And it, didn't, it wouldn't be a smart aleck about it. He just said, I want all the pastors to stand up here. I don't know how many of us stood up, probably 50 or 100. And I was way back there. And he said, lift your hands. And he just went like this, take it. And I said, Father, I got it. Thank you. And from that day forth, I was able to interpret when it's a real tongue, but then sometimes I'm not in my own church yeah. or I might not be in a son's church. I might be limited somewhat in some settings. God may check me. Don't do that right now. Yeah. But anyway, I'm just talking to you here. Yeah. But every person that did speak in tongues, even at other meetings, when I was just a uh, person sitting in a chair listening to whoever's going to preach, yeah. uh, somebody interpreted that. But he said the pastor ought to do that because he has the most clout in the local church because that's the way God structured it. Somebody has to be the head. Of course, you know, if you're not a pastor, don't lament. You know, the little pastor, he's on the tip of the spear. He's taking a lot of force against him sometimes because people misbehave. Some of them are evil, but not all of them. They just don't know how to behave themselves in the house of God. Timothy said we need to teach people how to act. Okay. You know, one time I had this lady, she was doing a funky chicken during praise and worship. It didn't look appropriate to me. No, really. I mean, you wouldn't, she, she needed to be in a club to do that. And this isn't a club. And then on top of all that, she came over to me. I was bent over something. She tapped me on the back. I turned around and she embraced me full frontal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Full frontal. I said, wait a minute, stop that lady. Get back away from me. You don't, say, you don't hug another, a person. I'm not married to you. So I'm not going to hug you back and don't do that to me ever again or any of my men here because, you know, some of the men just as dumb as rocks. You know, <laughs> That's their invitation, I think. I don't know what she's thinking. You know, I said, and I saw you doing the funky chicken over there too. <laughs> I'm not going to try to do it. I'm not a good dancer. <laughs> One time I tried to do that thing. So like the guy with, uh, what's the name of those shows? He, him and Jackie Chan, the, the black guy. And he was doing that and, and Jackie Chan tried to do He looked like me doing it. And Diane, I did that in front of my wife. Said, Honey, don't ever do that publicly. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, it looks weird. All right. Mm-hmm. So we need to preach the word. We're still talking about the gifts too in, inside of this comment. And we need to be able to flow in the spirit. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. That's just been a great scripture for me over many years uh, about being in the spirit and stuff. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5 and 6 here. And I would highlight it if you don't have it and go back and think about it. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves, 
So that right there, I need to stop and say, Father, this is not about me. It's about you. And I pray that I represent you well. I pray that you help me to articulate things. I don't have to be perfect in my English, but I'd like it to make sense to people. And so I'm asking because you are my sufficiency. That's the way I read it. And I pray that way because he says, for our sufficiency is of God. Then he goes on to say, we also hath, who hath also made us kings, excuse me, made us able ministers of the new covenant. So everything in the new covenant, he's made us adequate through his power and his blessing and not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. You know, I say it this way, you know, some professors in seminaries and stuff, they just like they're talking about Paul. They taught me what city he stopped at to get a bite to eat or something. They don't have anything to do with the Holy Ghost, really. So we just need to be able to separate things and preach what we see in the spirit, not just natural information. There's nothing wrong with being a good teacher, knowing the time that happened and how many years he spent. But I'm really not interested in that. I'm just reading this for how does it apply to my life? And he first told me that I don't have enough sufficiency unless I'm in him. I'm trusting him for his sufficiency to come out of me and flow to others from me. So I just, I, I kind of milk this scripture and I go back to it a lot in my life. I have for many years. He's made us able ministers. And not just able, but able ministers of the covenant. See, if you're taking things as their covenant thing to us, we don't have any problem believing that would be the truth because that's what covenant's all about. Speaking the truth in love, walking in love with people, telling them the truth. You're not getting much from me right now. You just, okay. You know, we're just talking, not just the letter of the law. There's nothing wrong if you had a couple facts, but when you get into the Bible and really want to help people strong, you have to teach them what they are in Christ and you have to teach them that their sufficiency is of God whatever they are sufficient to do. Their work, their marriage, raising their kids, getting along with your wife, live a long time, raise your kids in the church and your grandkids and their grand, you know, on and on. And love God and keep loving him no matter how many times people have done you dirty or they didn't talk nice about you or they gave you a hard time. Or, you know, you got to learn to get along with the family. You know, we all have our idiosyncrasies or whatever you call it. I think Dr. Summerall said, all great men and women of God have feet of clay. That means you're still a human being. Even though you've got God in you, you're still a human being walking your life out in this planet. And there's just all kinds of thinking in the planet. You know. So I just, I think that verse is helpful to me. It's been good help to me. So I'm talking things like that right now. And then we're, I said, Brother Hagin said, strong local churches, and then he added, and flowing in the Spirit. And that's a good thing to do. We're learning how to flow in the Spirit. We don't have to do every gift of the Spirit unless we're anointed to do that. There's been a few times I've slipped over into something I didn't normally do, especially in prayer. And, you know, we had, I think that I had a vision in, uh, I don't remember what month it was. It's not my notes, but... And I went this way, not to my office in the spirit. I went that way and there was an angel standing there and he said, welcome to your new room, Michael. And so the next day was intercessory prayer. And I got, we were in here praying in this same sanctuary. We had about 25 intercessors then. And uh, I felt led about two missionaries. Well, one of them's over here. There's Mike and Elaine on the front row. They were one of them. 
in Mexico, we prayed for them. And another couple in Honduras, we prayed for But we started praying in English at first. I know the people who were with us, where's Miss Donna? Yeah, she's around right over there. And uh, I think I asked her, I might ask Dale, where are you at, Dale? He's over here. I said, I, we're not hitting pay dirt, are we? And they said, no, we're not. You know, in English, I was praying. I was leading the prayer, and they were in agreement with me. But I looked at somebody and said, we're not hitting pay dirt, are we? And they went, no. So I said, okay, let's pray in the Holy Ghost. So I closed my eyes, began to pray in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, my eyes are closed now, but I'm up here. There's people in chairs like that. We put chairs up here so we could all kind of be not touching each other or anything, but just in a close range. And all of a sudden, I had my eyes closed. This whole sanctuary is filled with angels, this sanctuary right here. And so over here, I saw this one angel. I'd never seen him before. I haven't seen him since. He looked at me and I looked at him, and somehow there was a knowing down here in my belly, in my inside, he's going to take care of that for you if you'll speak it out. So I'm, I'm speaking in tongues, my normal language, and all of a sudden I shift gears and I go into something I've never heard before. And never been in a meeting where that occurred before. <laughs> and never had anybody talk like that before to me about it. I didn't know anything about that in that realm of prayer. Well, I'd had some individual moments where I was, angels were helping me back in Otisco. Took me two years to get through that, that uh, bondage there in that city over it. Anyway, that's not irrelevant now. But anyway, I began to go in some other tongue. I'd never heard myself talk like that. It was an unusual tongue. It took about two minutes. And I could tell, but he's looking at me. I'm looking at I could tell by his facial expression. He knows exactly what I'm saying to him. And all of a sudden, he just shot through the wall. It didn't make this sound. It was like, ping, just like a falling star, but it went this way. And I just knew that was going to be done. And so, and everybody stopped when I stopped. I didn't tell you what I was seeing, did I, Donna? I don't remember, Dale, did I say anything about it? I didn't say anything to them, 25 people, but they just stopped. When I stopped, they stopped. We all stopped kind of the same moment. We've had that happen in our intercessory prayer group before. So then we were going to pray for the couple in Honduras, and I'm still praying, got my eyes closed, but I'm seeing just a different operation of the Holy Ghost. And there was an angel over here, and I'd never seen him before either, and he looked at me, I looked at him, and somehow I knew down here, not up here, down here, he's going to take care of that if I will say the right words. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and I, was, I just started speaking out in my own prayer language. And then again, I was only praying maybe 30, 40 seconds. Wham, I hit second gear. I don't know how to say that. And I came into a whole other utterance, different than when I spoke to this one, different than when I'm normally praying in tongues. And I could tell from his facial expression and the way he looked at me, He's going to, and all of a sudden, it took about three or four minutes, and he went through that wall. Pew, took off. I didn't call the missionaries. I just knew that God said they were going to take care of it, so I was going to let them do what they're called to do and what we sent them to do. I didn't know what we were praying about other than generically. I, I was arrested by the Holy Ghost that something, something tragic could be going to be happening to each of these families in their respective countries. And uh, they had robbers in their home. Mike did in the lane, and I think two of your boys were home, you told me later. And uh, he asked Mike, he said, where's your safe? And being Mike Rabel, he started laughing. <laughs> My safe? I'm a missionary. What do you mean to say? I don't know if they understood that, but anyway, he was, and he didn't have a safe. But anyway, they put them all in a room, and they rammaged around in their house. I think he told me later, you think he stole the coffee maker or something. But they heard something outside, some kind of commotion, so... 
they took off out the back door. Nobody got touched, nobody got raped, nobody got shot, nobody got beat up. I'd say that's pretty good. Now, that didn't happen every day, but I'm telling it because it happened that day. And we were praying a couple weeks before because maybe two or three weeks after we had that experience in here, I thought I would just wait and, and kind of just try the spirit here and see if, we, if it came true what I saw and what I didn't know they were going to deal with people armed, but I knew something imminent was coming that could be severe if something did go right. And then the other pastor, uh, minister in Honduras, he called me later, and he came home with these two older kids. His daughter, the one was the oldest, I think she was 12 or 13 maybe then. I don't know if I got that right. And her, his son was probably four or five, six years younger than her. And then they had a little four-year-old daughter, and the wife and the daughter, they took them upstairs to the bedroom, tied them up, two guys, and they had pistols. And so when Pastor so-and-so opened the door, the guy standing there with a the pistol, and he yelled at the kids behind him, run! And he took off running. I don't know if I went to the neighbor's house until it was safe to come home. And Brother So-and-so got in a big confrontation in the hallway by the door, just a little entranceway. And he got the gun finally, and the guy got scared and ran out the back, and the guys upstairs heard all the noise, ran down the back staircase, took off. Amen. Now they had his daughter and his wife tied up upstairs, two men with pistols, and they didn't get touched. Nobody got molested. Nobody got raped. Nobody got shot. Now, I don't know if he had a bruise on him where the guy hit him, you know, or anything, because he was trying to save his kids. He realized, my wife's here somewhere. But anyway, see, it just broke all that down. They heard some noises, of course, the pastor there wrestling the other guy, they might have been screaming, I don't know. But anyway, they broke that whole thing up. Both those angels went. Two different beings. And so, you know, it's just interesting, I think. No, I don't know how old they were. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to what they were wearing, but anyway. I didn't pay attention to their hair, the way it was combed, okay. So let's go here to Matthew 22. I'm, I'm talking to you about some things on purpose this way. And really, looking back on it, uh, Matthew 22, I'm going to read verse 29. Uh, really, that first thing that I came, when I came to prayer, I tried to pray a little bit there, and I prayed in English. You know, I bound the devil, released angels, da-da-da-da. But I just know it wasn't hitting pay dirt. You know, you don't need to be discerning when you're doing it right, or you just discern that you're not doing it right, and you stop and figure it out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One time I was at Pastor Hattaball's church. Dad called him Hackaback, something like that. <laughs> you know that Hackaback pastor. <laughs> I think I'm getting more like him the older I get, Dr. Dufresne. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and I had this word about heart problems, and I gave it, and nobody came. And so I gave it again. I said, maybe you didn't understand me. You have something wrong with your heart. Uh, you know, I don't know if it doesn't run right, don't beat right, it's out of rhythm. I don't know what the deal is, but you need to come up here. Nobody came. I think I said that three times, two or three, and I said to the Father internally, well, if nobody responds, I'm just going to go ahead with my message. You said, no, you're not. You're going to figure it out. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so I said it one more time. And there was a guy over here that was coming to line people up, one of the ushers. If pe when people responded, he was going to bring them up to the altar and put them in the right place. And He said, well, that's me. I said, what took you so long? Come on, get over here. 
but he thought I was giving it somebody else in his mind. He didn't realize, but he had hardening of the arteries. And he was 52 years old when this miracle took place. And he'd been having that since he was, I thought he told me 21 or 22, very young to have that hardening of the arteries. He was going to a heart specialist group where they have a whole bunch of heart people working together. They examine people. They give them testing and all that. And he went back to them after that event. And, he, and they say that hardening of the arteries gets worse as you get older. And you get enough plaque in one of those veins or arteries. I don't know the difference. I'm not a medical doctor. But anyway, you know where your blood's flowing through you. And you could have a heart attack. You could die from it. Uh, it could really disturb your whole system. So after I prayed for him, went back to them. They tested him. He sent me the medical report. It's about a page long. When he first tested this man, he said you have a 90, I think it was 95% chance to have a heart attack or a stroke. And he'd had it for over 30 years. He's 52, started in his 20s. And he said, we can't find any blockage whatsoever. What in the world did you do? So he got a Holy Ghost Roto-Rooter job that went through his, you know, the veins or the arteries and reamed them out, took rid of all that plaque. I don't, I'm not saying you need to do that, but it's, it worked. I got the report somewhere. Anyway. You don't mind me talking about stories, do you? <laughs> I found out something. I didn't know this when I started. I didn't know it after 10 years or 20 years. I'd say more like 35 years. That's what I'm going to say to you, you know, but there were just things that were resident in me that I didn't see because I didn't see it. And if I did see it, I didn't know how to operate in it. I think Dr. Dufresne got a lot of that out of me by telling me to get out of my head. And I just sat under him and I started really paying attention. Yeah. And, you know, I went to a meeting of his in California. I'm going to tell this little part for everybody here, not just the preachers, but it could pertain to them. I went to the meeting, I started on a Monday night, and that was back in 95. The first time I'd been out there at his place, he'd come here a couple of times and said, Michael, you need to come. Uh, to my place with, at the camp meeting or what do you call it? I don't know what he called it, but anyways, that type of atmosphere. And, you know, I went out there and then uh, the power of God moved. And I, but I was, by Wednesday, I was praying by myself. Uh, my roommate went on a drive with the car and I was praying. I said, Lord, I don't seem to be getting much. He said, well, you don't receive much. Wow. And I told you that about your money. You know, 30 years ago, you're a great a great a giver, but you're a poor receiver. I want that. I want you to catch up. But they, even then, I got rebuked for that because he said, "You don't. You're just waiting for him to say something genuinely specific about you. But if he even comes close to that, get in the prayer line. Get in the prayer line where Doctor Drink can get his hands on you. I mean, then I started thinking, if I got a bad ankle and he calls for knees, I'm going." But it's not too far apart, you know. You'll catch up with me sometime in this service. Really? Yeah, really. Because he said, I want you up in the prayer lines more. So if he said anything close to what I was having, I was going to respond to him. I'm going to respond. And, you know, that was Wednesday morning. Wednesday night I went for something. I don't remember what it was now, Thursday. And then Friday night he, I was way over this way, and he went. And so I started running got up here over here. And he, he hit me, I don't know, the guy with me said about 30 times. 
hit me in the head and my shoulders and my hips and back up and back down and back up. And I fell out. And I think this was funny. I couldn't get my rear end off the carpet. I could sit up, but I couldn't stand up. So I just put it in reverse and went like this, crawling on the ground, cleaning the floor with my you-know-what. And they had a little opening like here, and I said, can I park by you? And they said, sure. But I couldn't get up at that time, so I was on the ground until the wow. service closed. And I went back to the hotel that night, and a guy who used to work here was with me. I was in a comfort inn, but there wasn't no comfort. I'm guaranteeing you that. <laughs> Poor hotel. It's, man. I mean, there's no amenities. They just barely got carpet. <laughs> but that's where I was back then. And, and, but I went to bed and I fell asleep and two o'clock in the morning I woke up and I felt like a piece of bacon. Now I wasn't, wasn't hurting me. I said, I felt like a piece of bacon frying in the pan. <laughs> and I started jerking, my legs were twitching. And it reminded me of when you watch a movie and, and the guy gets electric, electrocuted or whatever and you see that blue light going up and down on him. <laughs> that's what I felt like. Yeah, and that stayed on me for four years. Because you know, I'm telling you that for a reason. That Wednesday, by Wednesday, I said, Lord, I'm not receiving much. Well, you're not ready to receive. Get on the re And then he told me this. I forgot to tell you this. This is for the preachers particularly. He said, Michael, you've been on this side of the altar so long, giving everything you have to people, but you don't see yourself on this side being a good receiver. Now, everybody needs to listen to that. I'm personally, I would say this, and I've been in this long enough, I'll say what I need to say, thank you. I don't know of any church, any, I may, maybe, maybe Pastor Debbie Simon's church, Johnny. Those people will come any night that they ask them to come to church. They're just that way. People, the whole church will come. They might go for, to a convention, Pastor Nancy, and they don't have church for a week. And then they come back and they have a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, and they all come every, all night. Right. But what I'm saying is I just don't think most churches respond as well. Yeah. There's a few maybe that do, but just, and so I think there's, what I'm saying is I think there's much more ministry could go on, yeah. but this is what I think people are saying. I'm not going to go. People know that I got this problem. We already know it. Yeah. <laughs> or we wouldn't have brought it up. We, we just didn't say, Betty, you and Mary need to get up here. Johnny and, you know, Herb or Herb or whatever your name is. Come on. All right. Now, you kept me from reading this so far, and I've already, look at the time, man. Where's it going? Matthew 22 and verse uh, 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, You do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. So I think this is interesting the way it's worded because sometimes people can know the scripture, but they don't understand the power of God. Or then there's some people that are just lazy and they won't study. I'm talking about preachers now. And if you move in the Holy Ghost, and that's the primary way God used you, then you stay in your slot. I mean, I remember seeing film of uh, Jeffersonville prophet, William Branham. Now, I didn't hear him teach a word on that film. He just got up. Uh, somebody here has got a bad, I don't know, spleen. And people came and he, he looked at this one lady. I don't remember all the details. But he went to Dr. So-and-so, told his name and what city he was in and how many times she'd been there and how many surgeries she'd already had about this. 
It was just phenomenal. And then he said, oh, well, you're healed. Go your way. And something else he would do, he would say, wait just a minute. He's not here yet. And when I first saw hearing him, I thought he meant the Holy Ghost. But he really meant an angel that worked with him. Later I picked that up reading his material and had some other people I talked to about him. Anyway, it's just interesting, isn't it? But he was an exception. He was in a meeting somewhere. I don't know where it was at in America. And the reporter followed him out to the driveway or the parking. And the guy was just, you know, just really nasty to him, not cussing, but just saying, you're a false prophet. You're the... He said, well, I see this is your car over here, the third one down that line, and you're on empty in your gas tank. Is that right? Well, how would you know that? Answer my question. Yeah, God's going to fill it. And you heard, <laughs> he got in and it had gas in it. Wow. Did God really do that? God really did. He'd do some things you ain't never thought about yet. But I wouldn't do that when you think you're in faith and drive by all the filling stations. You're going to go out in the country and it's going to quit on you. And you don't even see a farmhouse from there where you can go knock on the door. <laughs> or maybe you got a cell phone, but it's not working right there. There's no pings from somewhere. Anyway. So Jesus said you could miss it either way here. And I think we should have kind of what Brother Hagin said, a word and spirit. So he says, you do err, they're in error, not knowing the scriptures, number one. And I'd like to throw this in because I just now saw that. Sometimes there's a lack of scriptures. It's in there, but you don't know the right scriptures to look to to make your faith strong. You do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. So sometimes people will know the word illegally, maybe I could say, or legalistically. They try to quote a verse to us. Well, the Bible just says not everybody speaks in tongues. I just read it to you about 20 minutes ago, 1 Corinthians 12, about verse 30. Do all speak with tongues? Not like that. That's a public ministry, tongues and like Pastor Diane and I used to do. Anybody remember that? I mean, she'd look at me with some look in her eye, and I, I better cut and follow her. And she walked over to Pastor Keith. He was sitting right there, I think. And she started praying in tongues over him, and I said, and then I said, can I say that publicly here, Lord? I said, you, you're, you're going to make a great pastor for Nashville because you're not impressed by football players and country singers. I know the man personally and Cynthia, and they were there for 10 or 12 years. Not one musician ever. And there's thousands of them there trying, I'm going to make the movies. You're going to make a big star out of me. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, my gosh. You wouldn't want a guy like that in your praise team, would you? You know, I wouldn't either. But, and then I said, well, somebody's going to come. And I see, I thought I said hundreds of thousands of dollars to you or something, didn't I? A large amount. I, I don't remember what it was. I think you called me. I, that was in our end of the year meeting. I think that had that word to you. And I went to Pastor Nancy's and Dr. Dufresne's out there that year. And you called me. Of course, he forgot I'm in California three years, three years, three, three hours earlier. So he calls me at eight. It's five o'clock where I'm at. Hello? <laughs> hey, this is Brother Keith. Somebody laid a cashier's check down last night. Was it 50000 $150,000. One check, one person. Yeah, well, that's great. Of course, they left the church, but maybe they just came to give him 150 grand. I don't know. I don't know a preacher's ever said to me, I got too much. I don't know anybody. Then there might be some. I mean, that 
are that way and really have it to back it up. And I'm not trying to compete with them either. But sometimes we're, we don't think of things properly. Right. And well, what would you do if you're running a, a, a business? That's what a church is. It's God's business, but we're, we're running it. And you have to believe for everything to come in. The chairs, the sound system, the podium. Did you get a new podium? I thought that was new. Is that a flock production? No, okay. Where is he? Is he here today? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Hallelujah. So listen, let's go one more time. Jesus said, you do err. You're in error, first of all, because you don't know the scriptures. And secondly, you don't know the power of God. Yep. Listen, I'm just looking at this. Because... Brother Hagin says we're building strong local word churches. That would be the scriptures built on the word. And, you know, the move of the spirit or the power of God, we would say. That's the way he put it, Jesus, right there. Anyway, let's go to Romans 15. I've got a lot of scriptures. I'm not trying to get through all this in the first session, but this is for anybody that wants to hear it. And I guarantee you, I don't care what you do in the church, uh, there's also your personal life involved. And so you could claim some things from this too. Let me see here. Uh, what did I say? Romans 15. And let me find my verses here. Uh, 18 and 19. It says, I will not dare, uh, for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ or the anointed one or his anointing hath not wrought by me to make, uh, to make the Gentiles obedient by word and by deed. Here you go. That's the word and the deed. So that's the word and the power. Again. Through mighty signs. Not just signs. Mighty signs and wonders. And that's relative more to the apostle primarily. As far as I know it. Maybe some to the prophet and the evangelist. Because those three ministries have a lot of the power gifts in them. That's why I'm saying that. Through, many, through mighty signs and wonders. By the power of the Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit doing it. It's not the man or the woman. It's the Holy Spirit working through them. I always say to people who tell a dramatic story, they got healed, but I'm not the healer. The healer lives in me, and he lets me use his power when it's necessary to bless humanity. Amen. I had a lady, uh, I didn't know this happened to her because her paper, you know, we. I don't even know if I have any of those with me. I don't know that I do, but... Little cards that you can fill out there on my book table if you get a miracle or something. That's not them. It's about like that. And she was in uh, Fremont. Where were we at? Nebraska. And she got up the last night of my meeting. This last time, Pastor Parker was with me. That's why I was looking for him. She got up and said, you know, I, I got in a car accident and totaled my car 12 years ago. I think that's what she said. 12 years ago. And she said, I wasn't bleeding anywhere, I could, and I wasn't hurt. I didn't think so. I denied going to the hospital. The ambulance came, but she said, I'm turning you down because I'm okay. Well, she wasn't okay, and within two months, her neck started really messed up. She went to a chiropractor. He took x-rays, and the bone somehow that holds your head has to bend this way, if I'm told that right, and it has flipped around through the pressure of the whiplash, and she was having terrible migraine headaches. And then she developed vertigo where she'd stand up sometimes and have to grab a counter so she didn't fall over. And she said, uh, I went to a chiropractor. He helped some but didn't fully do it. And uh, I was here in this meeting with Dr. Jacobs last year. He laid hands on me and had this for 12 years. 
my bone straightened up. She got re-x-rayed. All the headaches stopped, all the vertigo stopped. I've had no pain or any reaction for one solid year. Is that what she said? And I went up to her after I said, listen, I'm not arguing with you. If you say you sent it, you sent it. She said she sent it to my ministry. I said, my staff knows to send notes to me to hold on to those healing reports and give them to me personally. And then I file them away with other stuff and I read them places. So because other people maybe had a whiplash or some other thing, they didn't think they were hurt and ended up being in bad shape. And I, say, I said, I'm not the healer, but he lives in me. Amen. In the area he wants me to minister in. A lot, lot of it is bones, but other things too. We're not here to talk about myself right now. But I wanted to read verse 19 and the rest of this. Through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem, round about unto Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ or the gospel of the anointing one. And he said it's the power of the Spirit of God, verse 19. So again, he said, I fully preached it. So he preached enough that people got a hold of it and had faith for it. The supernatural power of God manifested in his meetings. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 8 a minute. Luke chapter 8. And look at verse 1 and 2. We might read three also, but one and two. Okay, I'm just about ready to close, and this is where I'm at, where my thumb is at. Where my finger's at. That's how far I've gotten. These are three pages right here. Maybe we just stay here till tonight. <laughs> Luke, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, and I may read three just for fun, but... It came to pass afterward that he, that is Jesus, he went throughout every city and village preaching. So that was his first commitment, preaching and showing. Or we might say show and tell, you know. The glad tidings of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him. Well, they were learning about that too by spending time with him. And certain women which had been healed of evil spirits. Now that's interesting. He didn't say they were delivered. He just said they've been healed because really healing and deliverance is the same word in the New Testament. I mean, it refers to the power of God. Certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities or weaknesses. Mary called Magdalene out of whom went seven should read demons. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod Stewart and Susanna and many others, which indicates some of these women may have had some money and said, which ministered unto him of their substance. One translation, I forget which one, I wrote it in my Bible. They ministered unto him of their resources. Yes. Now, that's why we have partners today. And I will talk to you about that on Thursday. You don't want to miss it. If you'd like to be a partner or you're already a partner, I'll talk to you more about me uh, either continuing to lease a plane for periodic trips or maybe buy a plane. I've already talked to him over there about it a little bit. I think Sean was with me. Where's Sean right there? Anyway, we'll see. But I wanted to show you this about Jesus. He preached first in this setting and probably taught too. But anyway, uh, he got people healed and delivered, we would say. That's just amazing. That's just amazing. So that's what I want to do. I think I'm going to do this. Did the ushers have the buckets with you? Okay, I'm going to take the offering for this service right now. If you would like to give this, 
This will either go to me or into my aviation, but it's irrelevant. I just, if you want to sew, lift your hand if you need an envelope. And there's things on the, the guys are with it. They already got my thing up there. You know the thing? <laughs> you know, there's no pressure on you to do anything except what God tells you. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to do my best to stretch you. Not this particular offering, but Thursday night. Yeah. You know, it's just I'm um, getting to a point in my life where, you know, I need some help, uh, you know, to get to my meetings easier. I put a lot of them together this year. Pastor Keith's been with me a lot. Pastor Al, Pastor Dennis was with me on my California tour this year. I don't remember who else has been with me. Mike Rabel went somewhere with me a couple times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it's good to take care of the man of God. Amen. I'm not apologizing for that. But... Uh, Anyway, just talking. I know Brother Copeland said one time, you talk about money, it's airplanes and airtime. Right. You know, if a fan belt goes out in the car of your car in 1995, yeah. if a fan belt goes out in an airplane, it's $3,000. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just talking, not complaining, not bellyaching, I'm not complaining. But I need some help so I have... I can make a decision. I'm going to rent that particular airplane again because I like it. It's fast, and I'm just going to take that. Yes, and I took, I think, Keith and Cynthia and, well, Dennis, you and Angie went with me to California. Did you go both those trips with me, you four, to the Simons and also to Pastor Nancy's? Yeah, we did a meeting together at Pastor Debbie's, the six, I mean, five of us, right? Yeah, yeah one, two, three, four, five. They got us there in four hours and 15 minutes all the way to all the way to uh, Merced, California, four, minute, four hour and 15. It took me, I have to get up at six o'clock in the morning, get the early flight in Louisville and half the time it's canceled. Uh, it's just a joke out there kind of. You know, the airline industry, are, they're broke. I'm not being mean about it. I'm not saying they're broke financially, heavens no. But they are got such a system and such a load on them, they just can't hardly do that for you anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. yeah. the hospitals are broke too. Even though they're charging you $800 for three pills. No, it was my mother in law. She was in there for 46 days. I'm not criticizing the doctors, but it cost $640,000. They sent me the bill. And then at the end of it, I was so glad I read to the end, it's all been paid. But she had all kinds of insurance her husband had put on her. I didn't have to worry about it. I wasn't going to worry anyway, but I, mean, I wouldn't like to have paid that bill. Anyway, I'm just talking to you. Nothing against doctors and nurses. Some of them are wonderful. We got two or three in this church. There's just one right here, Katie. She's in an intensive care thing, aren't you? Or some kind of unit like that? Yeah. So anyway, all right, Father, we just thank you for this offering today. You can just agree with me now. I pray they're sowing good seed into good ground. And I pray as a prophet of God that you begin to respond to them as they sow, according to their faith, according to their gift. Give them the desires of their heart, Father. Do things supernaturally for them in the financial realm. I'm asking you to do it in their behalf because they help keep me on the road and help allow me to move quickly and safely. And we thank you for it, every person who's sowing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.